Every now and then, it's not as frequent as it once was, but every now and then, uh, I hear people say, maybe you do as well, but I hear people say, we need more good old-fashioned fire and brimstone preaching. And, that, and people say, we need to hear all about hell. <laughs> we need to hear about the lake of fire, brimstone. Uh, evidently, people were excited about hearing about hell sometime in the past. <laughs> maybe some are today, evidently, it looks like. Every now and then I hear people say, you know what we need? We need more fire and brimstone preachers. The ones like we used to have, we need more fire and brimstone preachers. I, I one time received a letter. Uh, it's been several years back. But I received a letter, and it was thanking me for being a fire and brimstone preacher. Um, I thought about that, and maybe it's because I'm loud. I've heard that I'm loud. Uh, maybe it's because I get excited sometimes. I don't like sleepy sermons. And I thought, maybe that's why they call me a fire and brimstone preacher. I, I thought about that. As I thought about it, I decided, uh, I hope someday when I'm done, and I don't know when that'll be, I hope someday when I'm done, that I will be remembered as a preacher of God's love. That I will be remembered as a preacher, a proclaimer, amen, of God's grace and his kindness that is shown to sinners. And I, I hope people say sometime uh, when I'm done, that yeah, he was loud and yeah, he, he got excited, but it was because he couldn't wait to tell you that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And in that son, Jesus, that we can be saved. I want to be known and I want to be remembered as a preacher, a proclaimer of good news. I hope that that's what I'm remembered for. But I have to tell you, and I want you to hear it and I want you to understand it today. It's going to be the focus of this day. I want you to hear it and I want to, you to understand it. I have to tell you that according to the very word of God, there is a grave and dire penalty for rejecting Jesus Christ. Listen very carefully. There is a grave and dire penalty for rejecting Jesus Christ. Now listen, that penalty is not going to be that you've missed out on the good things of life. Sometimes that's what we act like. That penalty is not, uh, not that you're going to not be able to enjoy the perfection of heaven. Sometimes we act like it's all about that. That penalty is not... Uh, partying with your rowdy friends in a place for rebels. Sometimes people portray hell like that. Listen to me. That penalty for rejecting Christ is eternal death and eternal punishment in a literal place that burns with fire and brimstone. Folks, be sure and hear me this morning. There is a dire penalty for rejecting Christ. Here's the good news. You don't have to. You do not have to. Today in our study of Revelations, today we're again in the 19th chapter. Today as we move through and continue in the 19th chapter, we're going to see the fierce judgment of God being poured out. Today our verses are found in Revelation chapter 19, today verses 17 through 21. We're moving along Revelation chapter 19, verses 17 through 21. Our message today is entitled, The Vulture's Buffet. The Vulture's Buffet. Revelation chapter 19, verses 17 through 21. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Beginning of verse 17, God's Word says this, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, 
And he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, we come today. I'm thankful that we can assemble today and we can shout hallelujah. Lord, you haven't left us. You've never forsaken us. We have peace that's fixed in you. Peace in this day, peace in all days. Lord, we're thankful for the forgiveness of sin that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ that we can be reconciled unto a holy God through the finished work of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning as we study your word, I pray, Lord, that it would be a, a tremendous event. I pray that it would be truly a supernatural event. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak through your word today. And I pray as you've assembled us here to hear, I pray that our hearts are open, that our minds are open, that our ears are open. And I pray that we are built up as the church today, that we are encouraged as the church today, maybe that we will be convicted. But I pray, Lord, that your word would bear fruit in its hearing today. I pray for some today in this room, Lord, that do not know you, hearing in some other means today that do not know you. I pray in the hearing of a risen, resurrected Savior that today they would trust you, they would receive you in faith, and that they might be saved. Lord, we give you this hour. It is yours. We trust it to you. We ask that you take it, you multiply it, you bless it, and you use it for your namesake. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we begin today, I think I need to say this. I want us to get this, especially, listen, the young people here today. Be sure and get this. Listen very carefully. It is not kind, and it is not loving Two, in the interest of not upsetting others to withhold the truth. Now, I want you to hear that. That's an important thing for us to understand today. That's an important for us thing for us to understand in the day in which we're living. Listen, especially young people. It is not kind and it is not loving to, in the interest of not upsetting others, withhold the truth. Let me give you an example here. What if you were to go to the doctor and that doctor were to find something bad. They ran all the tests. They did all the things. They took the x-rays and they, they found something bad. And they found something that would cause many problems uh, in your life to your health. But what if your doctor said, well, you know what? I've looked at the results and I have decided I surely like them. They're a good person. I, I, I like them. I, I, I see they've had a lot of trouble. I don't want to upset them. And that doctor would say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. And so I'm not going to tell them the news that we found. 
Friends, isn't that our day? Isn't that the day that we're living in? We do not tell people the truth, and you can already know all the areas. There are so many areas today. We do not tell people the biblical truth because we do not want to offend them. Marriage is God's institution. There are only two sexes, male and female, created by God. We could go on and on. We don't want to upset folks. And so we're silenced in matters of the truth. Well, listen today, church. The gospel is such good news. The grace of God is so amazing because the judgment of God is so fierce. And I want to tell you, if I won't tell you about the truth of God's judgment of sin and sinners, then I have no legs to stand on to tell you the good news of Jesus Christ. And I watch preachers today, and they've got a lopsided message. They want to tell you all these things that they consider good news. They want to tell you all about those attributes of Christ, but they will not tell you the truth of God's judgment for sin and for sinners. And I want to tell you, they have no validity in the good news if they're not honest enough to tell you the true news. Today we see again God's judgment poured out. Now let me just tell you something. These are hard verses today. Now, if you read them quickly, maybe, maybe it's not so tough, but these are hard verses. I'll just be honest with you. They are grotesque verses. If you think about them, going slowly, considering them, they are grotesque verses. But these are verses that exalt the grace of our God that has been shown to us as sinners. And when I read this terrible fate of these, these that are under the judgment of God for rejecting Christ, listen, it points to the grace of God given to us as sinners. So far in the 19th chapter, Jesus has presented himself. Heaven is opened, and the one who is called faithful and true has come. The Bible tells us that he is on a great white war horse, and the Bible tells us on, our, on his head are a multitude of crowns. Uh, from his mouth comes a sword, and his hand is a rod of iron. The Bible tells us to strike down the nations. Uh, the 19th chapter is very clear. It tells us Jesus comes to judge and to wage war. And so there's no mistake in why he's coming. He is coming here in the 19th chapter to judge and to wage war. In the account, we see that with him are heaven's armies. They are wearing robes of white. They are also riding white horses. The Bible says he has come to pour out God's wrath. And that is why he's come. He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has come to pour out God's wrath. And then the last picture we saw last week, it says, as he comes to judge, as he comes to wage war, as he comes on this horse ready for war, it says on his robe and on his thigh, it is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I want you to imagine that again this morning. Can you picture that? Just picture that for a second this morning. Here comes Jesus. I talked about it last week. John had seen Jesus. He'd been by a campfire with him. He, he'd heard him teach. He was there at the crucifixion. He was there at the resurrection. But he'd never seen Jesus like this. Can you imagine? Here comes Jesus. And he's on a great white horse. And out of his mouth comes a sword. And the Bible says his eyes are a, a flame of fire. Can you picture the gravity of that? 
Here is Jesus. He comes as a warrior king. And the armies of heaven are with him. And they are poised. And they are set to pour out the wrath of God. Hear me today, sinner outside of Christ. Heed what I say today. Listen, the most loving thing that I can do this morning is to tell you, according to God himself, there is a dire punishment for rejecting Christ. And you need to be sure of that. There is a dire punishment for rejecting Christ. And your rejection will not go unpaid. All right, let's move into our verses beginning in verse 17 today. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in midheaven, Come assemble for the great supper of God. John writes the next thing that he sees. He sees an angel, and he is standing in the sun. This angel, he is unavoidable in the light. It is a magnificent sight. He is there in all of that illumination, standing in the sun. John says, and he cries out with a loud voice to all the birds flying in midheaven. That means in the sky. Now I want you to understand these birds, they are birds of prey. They are what we would call today vultures. Now, they are those unclean birds who feast on the flesh of the dead and the decaying. Maybe you've seen that. They still do it today. These vultures, they feast on the flesh of the dead and the decaying. The the angel here appears, he's in the sun, he calls out with a loud voice, and he calls to all of these vultures, come, assemble for the great supper of God. I'm going to go on and read verse 18. So that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of commanders, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men both free men and slaves and small and great. This is a very heavy picture. Again, it is really a pretty grotesque picture. Uh, in verses 17 and 18, these birds are invited to, or they are called to, the great supper of God. Now, I want to tell you that is a very telling statement here. It is the great supper of God. Now, I want you to see this is a supper provided by God. He is the host of the supper and he provides the feast of the supper. Now, stay with me. It says this supper will be made up of the flesh of the kings, all the kings, the flesh of the commanders of the mighty men, the flesh of the horses and the riders. It says of all men, free men, slaves, small and great. Now, I want you to notice something here. Notice the groups that are represented here in the verses. It is representing all people from all stations of life. This is representing all people of all statuses in life. Understand, no one is above this. Some think they will be. Understand, no one will escape this. Wealth will not save you. Your position will not save you. Your reputation will not save you. The number of men that you're leading, that will not save you. The rich and the poor, the mighty and the small are all included in this group. Now, I'm sorry to do this, but let me make this picture clear to you. After this battle, this is the Battle of Armageddon, the battlefield will be strewn with corpses. 
of all of those enemies of God. And so when the battle finishes, when you look across that battlefield, when you serve by that battlefield, there will be corpses scattered across it. And God will invite the vultures to come and eat them, to rip off their flesh and to devour them. Folks, listen to me. God's judgment is a dire thing. That is the picture of this scene. That is the truth, the reality of this scene. Notice this before we move. In just the 19th chapter, we've already learned of two suppers. Remember, we saw the marriage supper of the Lamb for those redeemed by Christ. And there was a shout of hallelujah, praise the Lord, much rejoicing. There is the marriage supper of the Lamb for those redeemed by Christ. And now we find the great supper of God for those opposed to Christ. In one supper, there will be joy, celebration, and fellowship with Christ. At the other supper, there will be destruction, death, all delivered at the hand of Christ. At one supper, the saints will all rejoice. Hallelujah, amen. At the other, the vultures will feast on these corpses. Folks, there is a dire penalty for rejecting Jesus Christ. Verse 19. And I saw the beast. I want to go back and read 17 and 18 before I read 19. Put it all together. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in midheaven, Come assemble for the great supper of God. Verse 18. So that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of commanders, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, and small and great. Verse 19. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Verse 19, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Now, verse 19, this is a strange verse to think about. In verse 19, the battle lines are set. And really, as you, as you read across it, that's why I read it together. As you read across it, it's almost as if there is a brief pause right here. For just a couple of seconds, it's as if there is a brief pause right here. On one side, there is the lamb, Jesus, the warrior king. And the Bible says that his eyes are aflame like fire. On his head are many crowns, many diadems, and they shine, they radiate from his head. His sword and his rod are held ready. With him are the armies of the saved, those who have been redeemed by Christ, robed in white, mounted on horseback. And if you can picture that, as far as you can see, there is this army and they are on their white horses and they are clothed in the white righteousness of Jesus Christ. And there they hold their bridles in their hands. There they hold their horses back. And then on the other side, filled with hatred, filled with pride, burning with disdain, here is the Antichrist, and included there is the false prophet, and there are the kings of the ten countries who sided with the beast. And there are all the enemies of Christ, all of the haters of Jesus, and their armies of evil. There they have all assembled. And what they lost on Easter morning, 
They plan to steal back on this day at Armageddon. And the battle is set. Watch this before we move on. I want you to see something right here. Notice the feast of the vultures of verses 18 and 19 is told to us before the battle is set in verse 19. Now, I believe that's a significant thing. Listen very carefully. I want you to get this this morning. It has never been in doubt. Never, not one time has it ever been in doubt, not in the garden there with the fall of Adam, not in Egypt as they are working in heavy labor as slaves, not in the wilderness before they crossed the Jordan River, not in the garden of Gethsemane, not even on Calvary's Hill. Listen to me, it has never been in doubt. It has never been up for question. It has never been in doubt. The Lamb is the victor. It has never been in doubt. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. The feast of the corpses is told to us before they ever line up in battle array. It was never in doubt. Verse 20. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet, who performed the signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. I want you to see how quick this is. From the battle's start in verse 19 to the battle's spoils in verse 20, it takes exactly no words to describe it. Did you notice that? There's not one book detailing this battle. There's not one chapter given to this battle. There's not even one verse to describe this battle. The battle is over as soon as it starts. And it says here, the beast, the Antichrist was seized, and with him the false prophet who lied and deceived and promoted the beast. They were seized and they were thrown both alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. See this, this lake is not the abyss. We've talked about the abyss. We're going to talk about it again shortly. It is not the abyss. It is not shoal. It is not the place of death. It is not the grave. It is a place designed and now described by God himself. And so this is a place, uh, it is built by God. It is a place now described to us by God himself as the lake of fire. It is a place of torment. It is a place of punishment. From the verb tense there, it burns and it is found still burning. It is not extinguished at some later date. It does not burn out for a lack of fuel. It is burning and it continues to burn. Brimstone is a type of crystal stone filled with sulfur. And when it burns, that sulfur burns off and that putrid smell is in the air, much like if you were to be close to a volcano. And for these two, their reign has ended. Their plans have been foiled, and they are in a place of torment and punishment. Now, there are some folks, we're going to talk about this lake of fire again in a later set of verses. There are some folks, and they ask, is this place literal? And there are some folks, and they, they come along, and I think they surely want to hope 
that it's symbolic. And they would say, I don't think it's a literal place. I think it's symbolic. And, and maybe just being away from God is, is punishment enough. And this is a symbolic picture here. Well, to that I will remind you or I will inform you that the Bible, Scripture, and Jesus, go look in, and read across it, treat it as literal. I think that's a very telling thing. The Bible doesn't say it's symbolic. Jesus treats it as literal. And so I believe it is a literal place of torment and punishment built by God, described to us by God himself. Verse 21. And the rest were killed with the sword, which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. And the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. And the rest, this is referring to the armies. Their leaders have now been seized. They've been cast into the lake of fire. And now it says that these armies fall in death. Verse 21 says they are killed by the sword of Jesus. All living people who had not loved the Lamb, all living people, who had rejected the truth of the Lamb Jesus. The Bible says they are physically struck down and killed. We're going to see they go for this time to the place of death, not yet to the lake of fire. All these are physically killed. They're struck down at the sword of Jesus. And like that, the battle is over. Bible sums it up and it says, and the birds were filled with their flesh. As you were to survey this battlefield, all that you could see now, all that you could hear now is the buffet of these vultures feasting on these corpses. And they would come in groups and they would tear the flesh off and they would feast at their buffet. That's a lot to think about. That's a lot to take in and consider. I, I read that, and I think the lamb wins. And I read that, and I say, well, justice was served. Justice was served. God's judgment rolls out, but it's in perfect righteousness. I read that, and I say, evil is defeated. Praise the Lord. Evil is defeated. But I want to tell you there's more than that. Listen very carefully. Do you know it didn't have to be like that? Didn't have to be like that. You see, God loved those people as well. And they could have turned. That's why he warned. That's why he sent prophets. That's why he sent preachers. They could have turned and they could have repented. And in his grace, the grace of God and the work of God, they could have been saved by faith in Jesus. And I see this picture and oh, the regret of that day as the battlefield falls silent, as you picture the vultures there and they are feasting, God's grace was available. God's grace was offered. And oh, the regret, they've missed it. Do you know their downfall? You know what their downfall was? It's back up in verse 20. Verse 20 says, they were deceived. They were deceived by the lies of the false prophet. They were deceived by the false hope of the Antichrist. He'll lead us into better days. They were deceived by the vain promises of Satan. They go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. They were deceived. 
Do you know today that's why any person is lost? They've been deceived. Do you know that's why any person is lost? They've been deceived. They, they bought the lie. There is no God. There's no God. They've been deceived. They've bought the lie. They, they themselves can be God. I can act as my own God. I'll dictate the days of my life. They have been deceived. There's no need for a Savior. There's no such thing as sin. There's no need for a Savior. They've been deceived. Jesus alone is not the Savior. Maybe somebody or something else can act as my salvation. They've been deceived. Jesus is not the Savior. And they've been deceived. And in their deception, they've rejected the truth of Jesus Christ. They've bought the lie. And that is why they are lost. So we close today. I want you to hear me very carefully. There is a dire penalty for rejecting Christ. Oh, but friend, I want you to hear me today. There is a savior for that penalty and his name is Jesus. I want you to hear that today. You see, we have a savior in our Lord Jesus and I want you to hear he sees you today. He knows you today. And he loves you today. Well, what about my sin? The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, he came and he died for us. In grace, he's paid for our sin. He's paid for your sin. In power, he's defeated death. He's defeated the grave. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, listen, he's calling to you. Do not be deceived. Grab a hold of the truth. Receive the truth. In the gospel of Jesus, preach to you. He's saying, come to Jesus. Trust Jesus. Do not be deceived. His grace is offered to you right now. Oh, how terrible it would be to miss it. Oh, the regret someday if you miss it. His grace and the salvation offered in the, in the finished work of Jesus, it is offered to you right now. Do not be deceived any longer. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We tell you we're thankful. I read of these terrible scenes of these terrible days. And I'm thankful but the grace of God has provided a remedy for us as sinners, has provided a remedy for me. Not of any work that I've ever done, not of any work that I might do that I might muster up but by faith in the finished work of Jesus. You paid it all. You settled it all. And in your grace, you offer it to us. In great love, you offer it to us as sinners. Lord, I pray for somebody hearing this today tired of the guilt of their sin, tired of the weight of their sin, hearing this today, that they would turn and see you as the remedy, the hope of sinners, our Savior, Lord Jesus. And today they would receive you as such. I pray that nothing would hinder that. No distraction in their hearing, no distraction in the room, no distraction, no pride in their thoughts, that they would hear and they would respond to the gospel in faith today and in doing so be saved to the glory of God. Lord, I pray for us who are saved, who have been saved. I pray, Lord, that we would rejoice that the cry of our mouth would be hallelujah. But I also pray, the Lord, that we would, we would understand that the word dire carries with it a sense of urgency. And that we would go and we would endeavor to our workplace, to our, to our tables, to the places we gather, that we would tell folks there is a Savior in Jesus. There is a dire penalty for rejecting Him. Oh, but the grace of God known through him, and we would tell him of Jesus. Lord, help us in that. And Lord, I pray that every bit of this is truth. And I pray, Lord, that it points to you, 
and brings glory to your name. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I'll just tell you that the, the preached word of God is an awesome thing. It's a, it's a powerful thing. The power of God into salvation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, therefore, we have a point of response. We preach for a decision. There is a call. Will you trust Jesus or will you deny and reject Jesus? There's a decision to be made. I want to tell you the grace of God it's offered to you right now. If you'll trust Jesus right now, I don't care who you are, don't care what your reputation is, don't care what your sin is, don't care how well known it is, don't care how secret you've kept it. If you'll call upon Jesus right now, he'll forgive you of your sin. He'll redeem you. He'll restore you in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And you will be saved. If you haven't done that, do that today. If you need more information, you come. Let's settle that today. If you've trusted Christ but never fallen believers, baptism, the Bible says it's always by immersion. It's always uh, after our salvation, not as part of it. If you haven't fallen believers, baptism, you come as well. And it'll, it'll point to our Savior, Jesus. It'll testify to the truth of our Savior, Jesus. Maybe you need to come and say, you know what, I've trusted Christ. And maybe it was recently. Maybe it was in the hearing of these messages. Maybe it was further back. But I've never fallen believers, baptism. You come as well. And it'll be a great day of celebration, testifying to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll preach this word. We'll stand on this good news until he comes back and gets us. All for the glory of Christ. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar today. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Nothing too big, nothing too small. I'm going to ask that no one would head for an exit, that you would pray for those who are making decisions. You would pray for those who are, who, are, who are dealing with God right now. God has spoken to you. If you have a decision to make, as we stand to sing, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here.